welcome to a special edition of Wonder Pod. I say special because we're just going to do these every once in a while and they're going to get all combined into one iTunes account rather than trying to maintain two or three. The reason it's special is because tonight we're going to discuss Bioshock Infinite. Now, we've been saying we're going to do this for a couple, three weeks and, and it just didn't happen and now it's happening. But the big key, the thing that you need to know is that there will be spoilers. Both John and I have uh, played the game, played it all the way through. I played it about halfway through a second time and then just never finished. Um, <laughs> and so so if you have not played the game, if you intend to play the game, if you don't like spoiler casts, then you need to stop listening right now. Because everything we say after this uh, is pretty much is going to be spoilers from beginning to end. As, and if you haven't figured that out, joining me as... He always does on regular WonderPod is John. <laughs> hey, everybody. Yeah, we're going to spoil the shit out of this thing. Um, and we, in, in, a, in a discussion kind of way, I think. And we're just going to try to... We're not, we're not, we're not going to hold back on any details. We're just going to let it, let it fly. So be ready or ignore completely. If you need a more concrete example, think of this as the same as when both John and I finished Mass Effect 3 original ending and scab together DLC ending. It's going to be the same thing because this this game would be extremely difficult to talk about except the lame way we've already done it on prior episodes of WonderPod without spoilers. Yeah, I mean it's nigh, it's nigh impossible. Yeah, I, there's a lot of games you can talk about without spoilers. But something like the Mass Effect 3 ending kerfuffle and this this is impossible because you cannot talk about this game really in any way, shape, or form but without spoiling it. But for those of you that are listening tonight, or whenever you're listening, because you have no intention of playing the game and just like hearing us yammer on, you poor bastards, essentially the premise of the game is, is your name is Booker, that's the character you play, and you have been hired to rescue a woman named Elizabeth. Now, your character is essentially kind of like a 40s, 30s or 40s private eye slash thug slash mercenary type, um, former military. He's, uh, gun for, he's a gun for hire. Yeah, I, I never got the true kind of assassin gun for hire kind of. Well, feel. yeah, fair enough. He's not really an assassin, but he doesn't he doesn't mind mowing down lots of folks, that's for sure. Well, it all depends on how you how you choose to play it. I I think that's actually an interesting thing to 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 point out because they didn't give you as many moralistic choices in this one. Yeah. If you think about it, because like the one I can remember off the top of my head and I've played it both ways is the dude at the train ticket station. Mhm. You can either stab him or not stab him. Yeah, you know, in yeah. hand. I mean, there's there's some choices around. Like you can you can rob the register or not. If you if you do, that kind of starts a big firefight with with uh, authorities and stuff. I mean, it's it's moral choices, but I don't think there's any real payoff to whether you go one way or the other, other than you get the money or you don't. Well, and the other hilarious thing about that, as I found, as I noticed on my second playthrough. If you wait, you're usually in one spot twice. If you wait until all hell is broken loose already, mm -hmm. 
and go back, you can pilfer anything you want without <laughs> anybody caring because either the NPCs have disappeared or you've killed the, the, the your potential threats. Um, I I think the first thing I want to say about this game is that the first two, not so much the second, but definitely the original Bioshock, taught me to view things differently. Like, my radar was already up the minute the game started. You know, like the two people in the rowboat. Yeah. I knew from word one because they were hiding their faces with, you know, raincoats and slickers and things of that like that that they were probably going to be in the game a lot. And I don't think if I had gone into Bioshock Infinite without playing the previous games, I don't think I would have picked up on that necessarily. Well, there, yeah, and we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to that ending, uh, um, the whole end sequence, I guess, really. Uh, but you're right. I, I mean, I guess it would make sense in some ways, but having played the other two really set home some of the things that they show you. And I think I think when when we summed up the game, the reason I gave it a little closer uh, uh, adulation to the original than you did is because I think because you're already trained in the Bioshock universe, mm-hmm. it takes away some of the magic of the surprises to a certain extent. I I think. I think I was, if I had stepped into Bioshock Infinite on its own, standalone, it probably has just as many twists and surprises as the original, which number two did not. But because I'm so used, because I was so used to playing Bioshock games, at the at you know, and there's only been three of them, it was I, I was much more attuned to the world, and so. I I actually think that the writing and the story and the underlying elements of the story was ever bit as good as the original. And especially when you couple it with the fact that you're talking about two utopias. Yeah. You you're, you're so you're attributing this to the fact that it's not a there's not I mean, as much as it's, it's it's a new setting and a new somewhat of a new feel because you have the prior experience, there isn't that sense of one, the sense of wonderment, so to speak, where you know everything is, you know, I mean, in this one they have the, um, oh shoot, what are they called again? Um, the 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 powers in this one. The I don't power. remember. Oh, one second now. I I apologize to the WonderPod listeners for, I I it's been so it's been so long since we. Tonics. To- yeah, there's tonics in the first one, and this one is no. It's, it's plasmids in the first one. Oh, tonics. Okay, so tonics in this one, plasmids in the first. Yeah, bec- I mean you've seen plasmids before, but here we have tonics. So it's not like oh my god, this is a cool new thing you can do. It's something that I did in the other games. I thought it was really brilliantly written though, because that time period that they're talking about, which I want to say is like post World War One, but not yet the Depression. I don't think. I think that I think you're probably looking at mid twenties, maybe a little late, mm-hmm. maybe a little later. Tonics and uh, things of that nature were still all the rage. Oh, I, I mean, I mean, in terms of a gameplay element, right? Know? But right, but what I'm saying is, that I thought that was a good way to introduce the powers. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. 
be, because that was kind. It kind of fits with that era. One thing I will give Ken Levine and the team at at, at um, <laughs> whatever the fuck the name of their studio is, uh, Irrational, is they do a really good job with the period time periods they decide to set it in. Um, one thing I will say that I liked is the fact that the utop- utopia wasn't ruined. Mm-hmm. Yet. Yeah. Well, you're you're you were you were stuck in the middle of the state of decay, of of it falling to piece of if it's uh, the cracks are forming and it's starting to fall to pieces. Well, right, right, right. The the underpinnings of its demise have been there. You know, it's it's essentially and this is probably going to sound cliche cliched. It's essentially a pressure cooker mm-hmm. that's really bulging. <laughs> But hasn't blown its top yet, um, and you were essentially the catalyst of of, of, of its destruction, I suppose you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but that but that kind of leads us into you know, I thought I thought how they got you, I thought how they kicked off all the violence and and main story was great, but it's it. It felt like it took a little too long to get going. Yeah, it felt like it was a little slow in its opening. Uh, you know, you're kind of you're in some kind of churchy cult temple, you know, being baptized, and then which did have symbolic significance or did have some significance to the story, I suppose. And then you kind of wander around, and then you kind of, I guess, in a way that's good for the people that wanted to look at it before there were bullets flying at your head. Mm-hmm. I, I, I found it set the stage really well. You, you really got a, a sense of what the place was, where you know, the, the, the first Bioshock kind of put you in it, and then you figured things out as you went. This one kind of does give you a little bit of, a, of, a, of, a, of an update on what, what to expect. I think, well, listening to you say that, I think then maybe it's just my play style. I prefer to much rather my first playthrough be dumped in, you know, see what there is to see, um, not skipping stuff. I mean, I'm too much of an MMO and RPG head to ever skip stuff, <laughs> but just grind it out, hammer it out. What is it? What's the story here? I, w- I want to know the exact story. I want to know, you know, and then on my second playthrough, kind of slow it down. You know, maybe make the settings a little easier so that you can take more time to to explore and adjust, and not have to worry about getting your face shot off in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 really delve into it. Interestingly, even with the political underpinnings or, or or political undertones of the story, I thought the story was really straightforward, but really well done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the um, oh shit, Comstock. God, you think, you'd think I'd be able to remember that name. It's like uh, a, a major you, thing you, here in the West. <laughs> you, you you hear it every every ten seconds, I'm sure. Well, yeah. Well, not all. Yeah, no, I mean, we have the Comstock motherload over in Nevada, and and there was a ton of mines named that here in the northeastern or northwestern U.S. Anyway, I mean, Comstock is essentially a, a messiah figure. It, mm-hmm. It's it's that simple, and and. I saw some people on another, I don't think it was another podcast because I don't listen to that many. I saw somewhere that some people were talking about, well, no, he was just a cult leader. Ah, no. To me, there's kind of a difference. You know, a a cult leader usually doesn't have that classy of digs. (laughs) 
<laughs> and a city in the sky. You kind of got to really have a lot of people to buy in. Mm-hmm. You, you know, um, so I, I, I think that the creators of the game were trying to make sure that we understood that he was a, a definite Messiah figure that, that for the most part, everybody believed as he did. Which, let's make no bones about it and get it right out there, was the most racist and bigatory uh, 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 sentiments and, and beliefs of probably almost any game I've ever played. Yeah, I mean, he was he was the the messiah for the for the rich white folks who wanted to get away from from the dirty America. Essentially, he was the messiah for the KKK. I mean, Basically. they I have never seen anybody intertwine so many things that the Ku Klux the Ku Klux Klan believes into a game and yet never mention them. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was brilliant the way they did it because essentially the to me the two major political uh uh you know the factions rivet or no not not faction um the the two mo- the two central political themes intertwined into the story are it, inequality and yep. and and everything that goes with that and, and in the rich versus the poor you know which it's really hard you you kind of have to really pay attention to the game because a lot of that kind of blends you, you know what i'm saying i mean i'm a lot of that kind of crosses boundaries and the era that that game was made the era that this game was set in was probably the clan was on their way down-ish, but they still had quite a bit of swing mm-hmm. in, in the 20s and 30s. They had been hammered a little bit by our federal government, but but, and also it's an easy concept. Don't you think it's an easy concept for people to buy into? Because so many cults have attempted. Uh, obviously, they didn't build a city in the sky, but <laughs> might have worked out for better for the David Koresh and the Branch Davidians if they had. Stuff would come into giant barbecue, um, but but I mean, you know, w- w- those things exist. Mm-hmm. You know, y- you have to wonder to yourself, and I don't know, I don't. Has there ever been a big cult type incident in Canada? Not that I can think of I was offhand. Just say, to be you honest. fuckers are so nice that you can't even. You don't even have cults. <laughs> Either that or you do, but they're in part regions of the country that nobody wants to go to. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere east of Yellowknife and, and north of Quebec, where mosquitoes take care of any cults that yeah, are no man's land. Yeah. Um. But, but I mean. The thing I always think about, <clears throat> excuse me, I apologize. The thing I always think about was when something like the Branch Davidians, or we had some in Southern California, maybe a decade ago, that thought that the end was nine, so they all drank some kind of poison. Mm-hmm. Is how many of those ne- never get noticed? You know that that their ultimate goal isn't uh, some kind of death, either death by federal law enforcement or poison or. Um, but how many of those exist that never get noticed? You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I ultimately think that that was a pretty key element 
that that you know society has very society has a lot of of flavors <laughs> and some of them just want to do things their way um i guess i guess the next thing to roll into is is the middle part of the game i was surprised the middle part of the game even though there were a few mini boss battles that annoyed me the story was such that it didn't feel like it drug which mm-hmm. the first two did a little bit not and I, and when I say dr- the story drug, it was just the pacing slowed down a little bit, and you noticed it. it too many times in, in talking about games, when we start to say that the the the, the pace drug, it, it 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 equals a bad thing. Yeah, but but I, I never felt like at any point that this game just needed to hurry up and finish. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean there are in those first two games, it's just. I kept I kept thinking to myself at, at some at some points you know, you know just got to get over this hurdle to get to the next you know the next big thing the next big battle or the next you know key storyline point uh, yeah this one it, it definitely keeps things hopping you know and have you know going around on on the sky rails and stuff kind of keeps you excited it keeps you moving there's no there's no there's no slowdown and interestingly it's not a game that makes you feel stupid too often. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of times where games go from holding your hand some to not at all, and it just leaves you in this plopped in this point, and you can't for the whole fucking life of you figure it out. I mean, if you're playing the game later on after it's been released, well, then the internet is your friend. Go forth. But when, you know, but in, like in the situation when we played the game for the first time through, it really ain't no walkthroughs. <laughs> I got hung up one time. Um, where I thought maybe they could have smoothed out that design a little bit. You come out of it toward the middle-ish, end-ish. You come out of a building, and there's like 87 sky rails going around like spaghetti. Mm -hmm. And there's like one door on the far left, except it doesn't really look like a door. And the little pointer thing that you can use to help yourself just keeps pointing up at the fucking sky rail. Which goes nowhere, essentially. It just takes you back around. It loops around. Yeah. And so so that was really the only time it was like, seriously? (laughs) You couldn't make the pointer? Because once I found it, it was like you couldn't make the pointer stay on the ground and go, like, sneak around to the left. You know, I don't expect you to tell me everything there is to know about the game, but if you're going to put in the pointer, can we make sure it works? Outside of that and the one boss battle... Though I, I, so which boss battle is it? You can, it's the one with what's her face with the wife in the oh, really tiny, lady, badly lady, designed cemetery. Lady Comstock, yeah, yes. yeah, the, yeah. I went into that into that area before the setup. You know how you have to go and you you find the 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 door that won't open unless unless she opens it or or her hand or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, I went to the cemetery. I was you know in scrap you know just. Um, examine every single corner of 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 where I could go before I moved on to the next uh, major plot point, the next checkpoint. So before I went ahead and and did that checking of the door, I went into the cemetery, went through the whole place, tried to find all the stuff in there. If there's anything to, to use or, or stock up, because I was playing on I was playing on hard difficulty, and so um, ammo and stuff. You know, I didn't really. 
come up short on ammo and stuff, but it was a little bit harder to come by. And uh, you had to be really careful with your shots. So I was I was constantly scrounging for for ammo and, and supplies, and especially for the for the you know bigger uh, damage weapons. But yeah, as soon as I walked into that cemetery, I went, uh oh, here's a here's a here's an arena. <laughs> We're all gonna have to kill a lot of dudes. And I, I, and I didn't I didn't know that that herself was coming as a as a as a boss, but. But yeah, that was I knew I knew right away just on the level design that it was yeah here's here's where a, a big battle is going to happen real soon. Well, I just thought it was a uh, not well designed for mm-hmm. what they wanted you to accomplish. Um, you know, I warned you about that without trying without spoiling it for you. Yeah. Um, but there's one thing I have to admit as a player, I don't do well in confined spaces. I'm used to being able to get range, to get distance, so that you can watch more angles. You know, Mm -hmm. the problem with the design of that cemetery was there's too many blind spots. And I felt like there were too many non-boss mobs. Like the, 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 the she can respawn them kind of thing, I'm used to dealing with that. You know, that's a that's a huge mechanic in MMOs where it's like, wow, if you don't kill the if you don't focus on the on the head, you know, wizard, he's gonna keep respawning dead guys and you're gonna be there six months. Um and, and literally in some of the harder ones, you could be there six months <laughs> if you can't yeah. get to the uh to the boss mob. The problem was if it had been just her with a couple min like a, maybe four minions. For that area, it would have been an awesome, challenging boss battle. But because they stuffed so many minions in with her, and she was extremely powerful, and she and she multiplied them. Like you, you had to, you had to take her out. Like you had to basically put everyone else on ignore or put put everything. Use the weapons that gave you like a spread of damage. That that, that when you hit her, everything else had damage too. Or else you were just fucked because there's just no way you could because you, you run, the area runs out of ammo and once that's done because when they die they they don't, they don't drop any more ammo they, 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 that's it it's over like whatever's around on the ground it's all you have to work with well and that was the problem I mean uh, the the situation I kept running into was they're mobbing me melee range yep. she's way back. And unless you use, and I'm going to use an MMO term here, but it count. I mean, it totally, it totally fits in this thing. Unless you use an A, what's known as an AOE, which is an area of attack. And believe me, gun, there's some guns that are AOE, no problem. Mm-hmm. Like um, grenades, 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 and such. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah they're the original AOE. Uh, so those of you pissy about me using an MMO term, piss off. Um, unless you use some kind of AOE weapon, and you had a couple by that point. You were fucked. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, to call it cheap, which I, I'm pretty damn sure I did the first time I talked about it on, on without spoilers in the regular WonderPod. I can't today call it cheap, cheap. What I can call it is just not well designed. There, sh- you should have had more room to maneuver to focus on her. There really wasn't enough hiding places to keep you fairly safe 
from the non-critical enemies. I think that was the other thing too. They had too many opportunities at shot at, at hardcore shots at you. You know, you couldn't really find a place to get cover or to get some kind of block to to focus on her and ignore it them ignore them nibbling at you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying take no damage. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, so so I just I just dug out my comments about that battle to you on May the eighth and on Facebook chat. And I so let me read what I had said. Okay. Um, yeah, I said yeah. So Lady Comstock, dude, she killed me a dozen times when I first got to her in the Memorial Gardens. I almost considered switching the difficulty. Her undead minions are brutal, and she's a bullet sponge as well. I had almost a thousand dollars, and she drained me down to two hundred before I reloaded my checkpoint for the first time. Then evaluated my weapon loadout and carefully chose my gear and decided what vigors will do the most damage. That was the first time in the whole game that I oh, had. Oh, they were called vigors, not tonics. So there vigors, you go. Yeah. The so show. so it, it was the first time I had to actually look at my loadout in the game and decide what I had to use. So what I had, and, uh, and you talk about the, uh, the wide range uh, weapons and stuff, I had to go with a fully loaded fire vigor, which, which then when you uh, lay it down, it shoots a spread of fire. The Hailfire weapon, which is basically a, uh, a grenade launcher of, so, uh, of sorts, and, and an RPG. And I had the, and then I said, and I blew the, ever, the unloving fuck out of her and her asshole minions. <laughs> well, and that's the other problem. I've learned, and I swear that real-life experience has not helped this fact. When I don't do well with a weapon, I quit using it. And I think that a couple of the weapons that would have really helped me with her, I just did not like and was not comfortable with. And so I have never seen the sense, and actually real-life experience, and Pat, man, (laughs) has taught me this. There are times where wasting your energy on trying to learn a weapon you're not good with really doesn't do you any good. You know, 98% of that game, I got away with whatever loadout, and I'm, I apologize, folks, for doing this so long after. I can't remember what it was, what they exactly were. But I think in that one instance, it bit me, too, is I just was not using the weapons and vigors that, that were really key to her. What I think annoys me, too, about it is real, that was the only sticky spot. The end game, the, the toward the end where you're having to use the big metal bird from hell. Um, yeah, I found that to uh, trying to decide whether what was the worst battle because that one, that one ended up being a little more strategic and figuring out what was the flow of action you needed to do. Uh, yeah, maybe Lady Constock that 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 cemetery battle was the worst one. I think maybe you're right. I'm. For me, uh, and maybe it's just because my brain's broken to begin with, the the songbird battle was easy, was a, a lot easier because it was a pattern battle. It was the kind of thing of, okay, what can I ignore? And again, you had more room to move. You know, you had you had the ships that you had to take out. Mm-hmm. but And you had the mobs. Well, what I found, I only died three times doing that one. Um, if you take uh, out the in, in which one? In which one? The end one. The, you only died three times. Oh wow, good for you. <laughs> Yo, well, shit house luck too. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna deny that for a second. My <laughs> my hand eye coordination skills are far past their prime when it comes to being really good with shooters. So I'm not gonna say for a second I didn't get lucky a little bit. But what I found was focus on 
grenade launcher dudes or the rocket launcher dudes and the mechanical of uh, George Washington slash Lincoln's. Once those are out of your way, then use Songbird. I almost never use Songbird on the ground. I used it strictly oh, yeah. on the ships. You, you have to, especially on the herd. You have to. You, you can't let up on the ships at all. So, well, you got to remember too. You were playing on hard. I was only playing on normal. I was playing on normal with like twenty-seven seconds easy, and I still didn't get the achievement. Fuckers! <laughs> it is pretty amazing how they made those games to the point. That I I remember during this console cycle where you could switch to easy for a little bit, and as long as you didn't go over a certain percentage, you'd still get the normal achievement. Bearing in mind, audience, that I don't give a fuck either way. I just found it really hilarious because I was I switched it. I finally died so many times with Lady Comstock that I just switched it to easy mode because I wanted through it. It was ruining my enjoyment of the game. I was on easy mode for maybe two and a half, three minutes. So I played like 98 to, to 99% of that game on normal. Yeah, and it's like, nope, no achievement for you, you jackass. Okay, <laughs> you know, and move on. Because honestly, too, that game is not about achievements. And 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 I think that's why the the Lady Comstock battle got under my skin so badly because that game's about seeing the utopia fall apart and and, and ultimately the story of Booker and and, and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of funny because I was a little irritated at myself after it was over because Comstock really wasn't as important as I let myself think he was now we're talking i'm talking of course comstock the enemy that you fight um he was a a central he was kind of like the chain that holds the two cogs together you know that holds the two sprockets together on a bike the bike's not going to go anywhere without the chain but the chain's not as important as the sprockets necessarily It, it in my way of thinking and so I was rather annoyed with how his battle went mm. because I thought it would be much more like the original Bioshock. But then once you get to the ending, ending, you realize why he wasn't so um he wasn't so uh as bloody critical to be there all the time, to be this massive ogre overlord type boss. I mean, yeah, he was a messiah on one hand. Um, the other thing, too, that I found kind of interesting, then this is the part, John, where I thought they got a little ham-fisted. You know when you go into the Hall of, of Heroes? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's the one where you go through the exhibit of Wounded Knee and the China Chinese Insurrection. Yep. Um... I thought they went a little overboard with the white man. And and saying this is a white man is probably going to get me slaughtered. Maybe not after I explain it. I thought they went overboard a little bit with the white man bad kind of, or the white man is the hero kind of thing to drive home their point. Because while... And I'm, I double-checked the history on this because uh, uh, Western history and, and, and Native American history is actually something that fascinates me. Um, Wounded Knee really wasn't particularly used in the manner that Comstock was using it. Mm-hmm. 
And so I thought they kind of deviated a little far. I thought they could have not been so over the top with it and still... Because it it was pretty evident. Wounded Knee was more covered up than used as a rallying cry for an army, <laughs> you know, for an army recruitment poster. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I mean, the game is such that it's going to take those those events and you know twist it to you know to fit the the narrative, right? Right, but I thought that they could have toned it down just slightly, and, uh, and not in some sad, pathetic, bigot, defensive white people. I don't care. All people suck. Um, I guess just because everything else that they that they that they kind of worked in was more historically accurate, and it didn't oh, okay. change. It didn't change my viewing of the game, because at the time I wasn't a hundred percent certain that they were over the top. It just really felt like it. What I'd read. Mm-hmm. Uh, about the Wounded Knee Massacre. You know, because the Wounded Knee Massacre was essentially all these Indians were rounded up to be hauled off to the reservation. And a gunshot goes off. And overkill. <laughs> all flows. Um, it was it was a massacre. It's a simple. Um, I mean, they were using Gatling guns and Hotchkiss, Hotchkiss cannons, which against unarmed peoples, kind of, yeah, it's overkill. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it kind of wasn't even something that you could, you know, the China insurrection, you know, Comstock becoming this hero-like figure for his services in the China insurrection probably was more plausible for some nut job to use than Wounded Knee was. I mean, there was, it the, the outrage in when Wounded Knee happened wasn't nowhere near what it would be today. But everything I can find tells me it wasn't celebrated either. It was covered up. It was tried. They tried to sweep it under the rug. But but people were able to move and communication was getting to be such that it wasn't really something that you could hide either. And there were no heroes. Um <laughs> In, in in it per se, not not of the kind of Comstock, but I thought that t- setting that aside, I thought that that the things he used to make himself look heroic and and godlike, they picked the right ones for that era. I I thought they did the I thought it did its job well of making him look like he was this all-encompassing hero here to save you from the dirty... And, and to be honest, it, it felt like to me it wasn't just, you know, people of color or, or Native or Indians. Uh, you know, I, dirty Irishmen <laughs> mm-hmm. present. Did you get that sense, too, that it was really just... It was really... There was d- definite racism, but it was also really super class-based as well. Definitely. Uh, like I was saying, like just getting away from from Dirty America in, in, for Comstock, you know, like just, they, they, he wanted nothing to do with the government. He wanted nothing to do with, with anyone except for he, himself and, and, and the people who would follow him to, to, go, to move into the, into the sky. Well, and there is, I mean, there's historical backing for that, that, that a lot of the Irish and Italian, in, in some other European country, immigrants were very much 
because they're white people, I'm not even sure I can say discriminated against without immediately being beaten to death. Uh, you know, they they were very much uh, preyed upon, seen yeah. as lesser by other people. Uh, so him using that as a driving force for Comstock was also, I thought, really brilliant. And they didn't really... Even though I thought the, the wounded knee stuff was over the top, they didn't really hammer you with it. They just no. kind of gave it to you and let you decide where it fit in. Yeah, I mean, that I mean that scene was pretty intense, uh, you know, the, the, the way it plays out there. But it's, yeah, but you're right. Like, once it's done, I, th- I think they might bring it up, like, one more time. Well, and you have plenty of propaganda posters to read. Yeah. If you want more immersion... You can get it from the, you know, the little movie phone viewer things and the movie scope would probably be better choice of words there. The propaganda posters. I I thought the the section with the the old general that Booker knew or the old, you know, let's call him a warrior for lack of a better term. I don't necessarily know if he was a general. I thought that that showed an interesting... Dichotomy as well, because he's kind of the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Hey, wait a minute. You weren't there. We were. He kind of represented the blue-collar, dirty America, as as you put it. Yeah. You know, me and my boys, we did our time. We fought. We served our country, and, and, and now you're doing this to us? You know, because there was that. <laughs> you think about it. There was more than one rebel faction there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, obviously, as Booker, you take out that. Uh, that was a moralistic choice, Which right one? there. Where you save the general or shoot the general? Or oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Again, folks, for people who have played Bioshock Infinite, I apologize. I don't remember the hell yeah. the guy's name was. He might have been a colonel actually, because I saved him the first time and really regretted it. Mm-hmm. Did you save him or kill him? I think I saved him. Yeah, saving him doesn't help him. Any a bullet to the head was a lot better option for him. And I yeah, uh, yeah I, I left I left him I left him on his own on the on the steps or wherever that was. The, um, yeah, yeah. I, I left I left him I left him be. Well, you you see him again later in the game, mm-hmm. and and things are not good for him. A bullet. No, no, was, he's, he's in a bad way. And a bullet was a much better option, and so the sec- I did make it that far in my second playthrough, and I killed the guy. Yeah. I just said, okay, you know. Um, but that's a tough choice. You know what? What do you do? I mean, I suppose it's not as difficult a choice because he is the enemy of a common enemy, and he's also put you through a certain amount of hell mm-hmm. to to achieve your goals. Um, I guess the other thing I want to talk about, or there's two more things I want to talk about, and then we'll get to the end game, which is the really interesting and, and most critical bit of this, of Bioshock Infinite. Um, what did you think of Songberg in general? He was It was actually, to me, a little scary the first time when you're trying to get the hell out of Elizabeth's Tower. Yeah, yeah. Is this, is this, is this blind, blind, uh, I mean, rage isn't the word, but you know, it kind of feels like that, but it's... This overwhelming power and, and on, on t- just on top of you with all the time they're in that scene. Yeah, Sombird was really 
really, really cool. Um, and um, we're going to have to get to this later, but you know, the parallels between between you know Songbird and the Big Daddy, uh, just you know, coming at you with all, you know, full bore to protect what 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 it feels it needs to protect. Yeah, it's it's scary in, in a different way, but slightly different way, but. Well, it portrays the what everybody fears about robots or well, about a, androids. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's, there's no a, let there's, up. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Like, there's a guy in there, right? In Songbird? Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. There, I'm pretty sure that was in a one of the one of the audio tapes. Oh, okay. I I probably I didn't find that one, but I think that's you know because you're already starting to see in modern life uh, groups and. Wingnuts cropping up, no automated killing machines, you know, because we're starting to use more drones and more, you know, robotic devices on the battlefield in modern combat. You're starting to already see people, we don't want these things out there on their own, you know, and it's like, uh, they're not even close yet. (laughs) You know, (laughs) yes, we have drones with missile capability, but they're still controlled by a human with a joystick. Um, Yeah. You know, and and so I think that the the fact that they're just an unrelenting, laser-like focused entity, both Big Daddy and Songbird, that have no quit, that have no quit, yeah, unlimited stamina to to do what they are tasked to do, is terrifying to most people. You know, I mean. It sucks in a way because it was a video game, so it's like okay, when he's tearing the tower apart, it's like okay, you gotta like make this distance in this time, or you're gonna get smashed, and and so it kind of becomes mechanical. It's the run point A to point B before he smushes you. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the way that they ended that with you like falling out of the tower, you know, because when I started yeah. to run from him i thought oh fuck me do i gotta go all the way back down again <laughs> you know and then you go bailing out of the tower and land in that little ocean beach thing yep speaking of which with my mind the way it works my immediate thought when i landed on that beach was where's the water going <laughs> yeah you're like how far up in the air where is that water going it's like some poor bastard and Peoria, Illinois, whose house is now fucking flooded because your swim <laughs> beach is right in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, that's draining down somewhere. Yeah, where is that water landing? <laughs> um, I guess the other thing too was, uh, to you, what are the twins or what are the what are the two doctors? Uh, how, how do you mean? At, what what did they symbolize to you as you went through the story? Not the ending, just as you went through the story, because they showed up in various formats at least a half dozen times before you got to the end game. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, they're they they, they represent to me the, the dichotomy between the you know the the two the the you know the quote unquote world that they're in and the other side. You know the, what whatever that might be, whatever time period that might be, whatever. You know the the parallel worlds. I mean, they're they're twins. They're, um, and we get a lot more information about them later on about where you know their origins and stuff. But it's, you know, it's a constant reminder of there's two of everything going on. Well, there's two ways you can look at it, depending on your disposition in this world. Um, so listen up, anti theists. 
I didn't say atheist. I said anti-theist. They're either yin and yang. Well, yeah. Me- yeah. Me- meaning that, you know, you know, for essentially Newton, for every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Or they're, or they're good and evil. It's that simple. They're, I, I kind of basically ended up looking them at them as good, you know, the old Warner Brothers cartoon, Angel and Devil kind mm-hmm. of thing. That was essentially, in fact, I when when Elizabeth gets to pick her little net brooch thing, mm-hmm. I picked one the first time. I didn't pick the bird in the cage. I picked the other one the first time. And then I picked the bird in the cage the second time. Is that going to have any bearing if I ever reinstall it and play through it again or finish playing through it? I don't know. But I thought that they they were a nice guide and distraction. If you weren't careful, you could begin to think that they were your, going to be your main foes, kind of the, you know, uh, kind the puppete- of the, the puppeteers. Well, yeah, the puppeteers, but kind of also a deflection, you know, deflecting you away from the true enemy. Right. Um I guess, and finally, before we get to the end game, there was a lot of people that were bitching, and I think some of this was cultural. I think this was some of this, a lot of this, had specifically to do with what was going on in the world um, when Bioshock Infinite was out. That people were bitching that it was too much violence, too violent, would have been much better without all the fighting, so on and so forth. While the fighting was just a vehicle, you know, just a mechanic and a means to an end, my thinking on that whole get rid of the fighting, the blood, the guts, the gore, the so on and so forth, is that if that's what you focused on, you really missed the fucking point. Um, what are your thoughts on people that, that started carping about that, 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 that it ruined the game to have all that in there? Well, I I, I mean, if I, mean, I, I can't judge people's you know, opinions too badly, because in one way, you know, a lot of the, some of the violence is kind of brutal. Like that first that first choice you make, whether you th- whether you uh, cast the first stone at, at that interracial couple, and and then, you know, the first thing you do is you stab a guy in the face. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is kind of brutal stuff. And and then, and I think that set that moment set the tone for people's opinion about the violence. Because as you go on, I mean, how many zillions of other games do you shoot people and carve them up with a knife? Like Call of Duty is all about that. It's, but I think that that first impact, like, I think, is telling about what, how how uh, immediate that that choice was, and how that 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 very brutal act of violence set the tone for the rest of the game for people. I'm glad you brought that up for a couple reasons. Because first off, I don't think there's any way you could do that scene without ultimately there being violence. Mm-hmm. And second. That sets the whole tone for what Comstock's about. That tells you right there that you are not dealing with a benevolent, or a benevolent. I almost said what he is, the, a benevolent force. There is no way to get across what this is all about. Why ultimately it's good for you to to take this, you know, to undertake this task. Without that being violent in some some form or fashion, and I thought that while yes, it was brutal, it it, it served its purpose well without going over the top. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you also, you also have to consider that this is a freaking Bioshock game. <laughs> like, if you've played the other games in the series, so many things and terrible and awful things happen to people in these games. I mean, it's you know the 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 the, 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 the shock value, but the 
the level of you know a disturbance in people's minds and you know the lengths at which they're willing to go and and things they're willing to do is is, is what these games that ties all the games together as well. Well, that's the problem, though. Again, we're dealing with something we've discussed how many times on this show. People don't want to be confronted with the reality of humans at their worst. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what you're seeing here. There is no earthly way to write a game that would be as powerful and as thought-provoking as Bioshock Infinite is with some kind of peaceful insurrection where you all sit around the table and discuss why are you a giant racist and a bigot. First well, off, the, 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 your opponent is not going to allow it. They rule through charisma and fear to begin with. So doing something without fighting, without violence, is not going to be something they're going to let happen. Mm-hmm. They, 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 uh, a figure like Comstock stays in power through oppression and, and, and fear and violence. You know, I mean, look at, to give you two real-world real examples, one that I think is about to get a lot more goddamn interesting, look at Syria and Egypt. Case closed, you know. So I think some people were just trying to pull the oh touchy feely oh look at all the real violence in the world. We need to tone this poor shit down. Not understanding for a fucking second. And sadly, it was people that played the game, um, as well as idiots that didn't and just were jumping on the cultural bandwagon. Uh, I don't think sure. There's some there's some death animations. There's some blood spatter. There's a few things that you kind of maybe tone down a little bit, but I. That kind of setting and and the world and 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 types of people you're dealing with, they don't sit down and negotiate. They're not friendly. Yeah, you well, know. I mean, don't forget. I guess one difference between between this game and even the other Bioshocks is that in in the first two, it's people who are driven have been driven insane and become very monster like with you know with the, with the splicers. You know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they they become less human. In this one. You know, most of the, most of the battles and the people that you fight are just are just you know their their um, the resolve their aggression just comes from the power of their own conviction and their brainwashing by Comstock. It's not it's they're less monsterified. I mean, there are there are people with powers and such for sure. You know, but this it's it's less monster. They're less monsters uh, physically than they are mentally. Well, and I think that's ultimately the reason why people shit themselves. You're poking their little safety bubble, you know, that keeps them from believing bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever. <laughs> um, no matter how many times the world tries to prove them wrong. And that's the thing. I, and that's why I actually like this game almost damn near as much as I did the original. Because it is. It's man. It's man's inhumanity demand. There isn't, you know... There's no overriding. Even even Comstock was a normal human being, whereas um, the boss in in the original Bioshock had been plasmated to the moon. Yeah, he had become a monster. Whereas Comstock, you just off his fucking ass. Yeah, and yeah, you, and you 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 murder him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right, right, you you drown him in that in that in that baptismal font. And to be quite, I know, I thought that was a brilliant touch. Um, <laughs> there goes my getting into heaven, fast-tracking myself to hell once again. Uh, <laughs> well, it was, because that's kind of the thing. Because, again, he was using religion, as a lot of people do, as a shield to be an ultimate asshole. 
you know, in my world, religion is fine as long as people practice it openly and honestly and don't attempt to use it as a bludgeon for, you know, for violence, for making you see the world the way they see it. Uh, and, 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 and that's essentially what Comstock was doing, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew that was going to be a central theme. The way you came into the game, you were essentially born into, um, oh fuck. I almost said rapture. The hell's the name of the city? (laughs) Um, it's called, uh, Columbia. Thank you. You were essentially born into Columbia. You know, you go under the water, you go under the water, all praise whoever, and, and poof, you're out in, you know, like this courtyard. And and so, I mean, the the fact that, and, and to be honest, I'm surprised more people didn't throw a fit about the f- fact that they didn't do religion no favors in that game. You know, they weren't saying it was should be driven from the earth as a, as a pestilence, like a lot of the anti-theists will tell you, um, to, to which I say to them, good luck. Others have tried and failed miserably. Um... I mean, you know, ask the Romans how that went for him. But he used, he still used it as, 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 uh, you know, a shield and a precursor and a reason to be him. Mm-hmm. So, with all that said, and and you know, if you if you're listening to this and you played the game, you played all the same things we do and have. So we don't need to go through it point by point. I think we hit the high points on the battles that kind of sucked. Um, the I'm sure that there will be people. Even including supposed historians who argue with me about my take on some of the political and 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 uh, historical ramifications, and you can fuck off because it's called an opinion, and we all view things differently. But the, now you come to the end game. How surprised were you to see Rapture? I was uh, very surprised. I marked but, out. Yeah, but I wasn't surprised. I knew. Maybe it's because I've seen some a lot of interviews with Ken Levine, and I and I follow him on Twitter, and so I see a lot of the stuff he says on a daily basis. And I, this is by no means obviously a, a a nail it to the you know nail it to the wall perfect method, but he really strikes me as a super logical guy and that actually understands his audience. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean the, the the reason why I was surprised it wasn't so much like like the idea. And like the parallels between the, you know this this Bioshock and the other two, uh, you know, I mean, th- they're obviously there, but just the fact that you get transported into Rapture as one of the one of the the parallel universes that she, that that Elizabeth is able to tear into, it's it just you know drives everything home about what what you know the the cyclical nature of these universes, and um, and and then suddenly like it's almost like. When when Neo wakes up in the Matrix, and and you have that moment of oh my God, what does all this mean? And you start you know piecing things together, and you know the the, the big picture becomes very much apparent. It was that kind of a moment for me, and I, and, I, and I didn't know if they were going to go there, but you know, but they sure did. My thought when she first the first time you actually interact with the tears that she can open, my my literal thought was you beautiful bastards that are rational. So that's how you're going to tie all this shit together. And on top of that, make yourself a universe that you can mine for unlimited games. <laughs> uh, but which, which with the quality they put out ne- ain't necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about, you know, as well done as COD is, it's pretty much the same shit as always. 
same with Battlefield, same with Halo. You know, I mean, oh, well, I can't say that because Reach was a departure from the regular Halos, but <laughs> you I'm, now have an unlimited set of universes with which yeah. to draw from. The limiting factor is, you know, how do you write stories that are as emotion-provoking and debate-provoking as Bioshock 1 and Bioshock Infinite have been? That's the, that's the Achilles heel of this whole process. Mm-hmm. I, I just, maybe it's the cynic in me, maybe it's because I'm a horrible writer, so I know how difficult it is to write well, um, or, 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 or also wish I could. Uh, I, it's really, really difficult to top yourself with that kind of thing. And especially because the, the themes and, and, and stories and essence in um, contained within these two Bioshocks really confront a lot of things people don't like confronting. You know, uh, the, the concept of a perfect world. I mean, because Rapture was supposed to be a perfect utopia. It was, yeah. Everybody all, you know, all races, all creeds, all money types, all are, we're all supposed to live together in harmony. Um, you know, and as usual, human, human nature said, oh, really? Watch this. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, that's the, the, that is the bane of human existence is the fact or is our very nature. Because if you give somebody an opportunity to, you know, be a despicable asshole, they're probably going to take it if they're so predisposed or willing to give into their baser natures. Um, Rapture didn't really shock me. I saw it. I marked out. It's like yes, and it was before it fell apart. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, at least I that, mean, that's the way I took it. Is, is I it... Uh, the way I saw it, it was, you know, I, I think it had fallen apart. I think you wake, you arrive in that first, that first room that you, you know, that first area you oh, hit yeah, in, you in Bioshock, right? Yeah, you do. So in, it was, it was in a state of ruin. Yeah, I mean, you could see. I mean, I, I I didn't see it in my playthrough, but I did see it on a YouTube clip. If you look out through that big window that you come across before you move on, you can see in the distance, in an, in another like uh, another uh, glass tunnel, uh, a big daddy and a little sister, uh, and the little sister is stabbing a corpse on the ground. I happened to actually catch that during my playthrough. And now that you're mentioning it, you're right. It is it it is ruined rapture. Mm-hmm. The outside just looks so. Gorgeous, and then when you go to the, the to the different lighthouses, I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake! Oh, this is awesome because if they're close to the see, that's the thing. Two didn't really thrill me, mm-hmm. but it was good enough, you know. So I could I could see myself playing at least two more that are close. Well, I think I mean what you approach here now. It's sort of the Assassin's Creed kind of thing where they could set a Bioshock story in, in, in any kind of time period that they want because of this parallel universe thing. Like when she rips the tear open and you look, and you, and you look through and you see references to you know, Star Wars, um, the Revenge of the Jedi up on the, up on the billboard and, and, um, and, and, and even the music, like the music from the 80s that comes through and, and, and that the... That that guy, I can't remember his name either, but he uh, he's a musician from her era, and he hears the music through the t- through the tears, and he turns um, 
not girls just want to have fun, but it's something like that into a, you know, 1920s, oh, 30s oh, era it was, song. Uh, it was Beach Boys. Yeah, there was a Beach Boys song, and there was another, it was, a, it was another, like, bubblegum pop song. Shoot, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, the acapella Beach Boys. I'm glad you mentioned that, because the acapella Beach Boys was fucking awesome to me. <laughs> and I remember, I think it was either... It was either Justin McElroy or Jim Sterling that was saying, dude, you walk in, and it's the Beach Boys. They were saying it on Twitter as they were playing it. And, it, and they're mm-hmm. like, that's not spoilers. Well, I don't think they can understand where the fuck is... Why the fuck is this here? And it doesn't make sense until you see her start opening all these parallel universes. Yeah. Now, then it makes sense, because you have the unlimited potential to snag things. I suppose it has it shares ties with Assassin's Creed. It's just, it, My only hesitation with that is Assassin's Creed wishes it had as good a writers. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't mean that there's t- like, not ties, but like... Where that series will be able, you know, the basis of that series is that it will set its game in a different time period, you know, at at a nauseum. However many they want to do, they can right, do it. Right, conceptually, because it's because yeah. it's a modern assassin going back with a wayback machine. Right, I got you. Yeah. So, so, so okay, yeah. T- Tainted Love was one song that they had. I'm just looking on 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 the internet now. Uh, Fortunate Son by CCR was was. Uh, I missed that one. I, I heard Tainted Love and and the Beach Boys medley that the fucking acapella singers were doing. Yeah, there, there's some there's some pretty cool stuff that goes on. I mean, there's a whole video on YouTube about about the various music and what and how that ties into uh you know like like it's not just to have a song but it's it's these are songs about pain and love and uh, obsession and themes that fit with the game as well as being cool covers that that come through you know and references oh i'm sure that there's fanfic for this game out there that would just terrify you and then never ever sleeping again yeah there's so many details are unreal well, there's so many tangents that you could take, and with with you know with a vivid or irrational imagination, just go fucking hog wild, because uh, it's got that steampunk feel to it too. So okay, so now we get to the end, the end end where. What did you think when Booker lost his finger through the tear? That one, that one, that one caught me off guard a little bit, but it did, obviously made ultimate sense. You, you mean you mean Elizabeth? You mean? Or yeah, excuse me. Not Booker, yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was quite something. Is the the whole infinite loop? You know, I mean, it brings this the title of the game. You know, the the infinite loop of of uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> the you know Booker's choice between baptism and not, and what the, you know how it all. T- yeah, so it's kind of hard to to, to talk about it actually, <laughs> but it blew, it did kind of blow my mind that 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 that's where they were going. That it just happens over and over, and he himself is Comstock. That, that kinda... was the only one that floored me. Because there's a lot of theories about parallel universes. You know, there could be infinite universes. You know, and, and so it's not so much that it's a repeat, that they're all happening at different stages. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Y- one timeline could turn out totally different than the next timeline. You know, they were just kind of blending them together to show you 
what your possibilities were. Um, that's really the one that floored me. And when I went, I, I think in that same set of messages, I said something that was just basically holy shit. It was a holy, old one man holy shit chant. Um, mm. That, because when you realize that Booker is Comstock, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. I thought like of a half dozen times I'd seen Comstock or seen pictures of him, and you really start to... It was brilliant the way they did it, and, and that's why I didn't say anything earlier. That's why you really don't see Comstock until you confront him. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I think the Levine, and the Levine and the team at Irrational respect their audience. And they realized that if they showed him off too much, that some people might get it. Yeah, and figure it out. The, the, you would see the resemblances. Because as soon as I started my second playthrough, it was painfully obvious. Oh, really? Oh, God, yes. The first poster you see of him, the first statue you see of him, it's like, <laughs> you feel stupid is essentially what it comes to. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, you literally are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I... It, I I, I the well oh, let's back up a little bit because you have that segment in there where the twins are they're saving you from drowning essentially so what ultimately is their purpose in this to this game to the many parallel dimensioned universes of Bioshock Infinite <laughs> I I I I think that you know because they are you know they're basically the source of you know, you know, they're parallel versions of themselves from different dimensions. That they, they, they see the bigger picture. They're trying to stop the loop as well. You know, they're, you know, the puppeteer is massaging this to happen. You know, to put to put the to put the players in motion. The Booker goes to, you know, to save her, but you know, on on you know, you know, save the girl, wipe away the dead stuff. They they want that choice to be made that Comstock doesn't come into power. Well, and you're also dealing with merging timelines, which a lot of sci-fi writers and fantasy folks have avoided. You know, they've always gone with the cheesy, well, you, you can't do that because if you see yourself at a previous time, it'll tear a fabric and, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yada, yada, yada. This game seemed to have no issue with it. Oh, none at all. You because just... essentially Booker is drowning an older version of himself. That it's not. A, I really don't see it as a loop, John. It's just a different. It's just a different time. Like to me, you know how they're just showing Booker being rowed. You know, it's raining. They're in a rowboat. They're showing Booker being rowed ashore, right? Mm-hmm. To me, he has just stepped into a a different timeline. The twins in this particular timeline are trying to stop Comstock, Booker from ruling the world. So they've gotten a younger version of Booker from a different timeline. Because think about how many Elizabeths are there when you cack it. (laughs) Um, You know, there's what, four? Mm Mm-hmm. The the twins' goal was to bring a Booker from another universe or another timeline, however you wish to term it, to stop Comstock in their timeline. Whereas Elizabeth, the Elizabeths of the universes, have decided that just 
killing it off indefinitely is is the best is the be- is the best solution. Yeah, I I think I think that they've tried to 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 stop Comstock multiple times, and every time generates another Elizabeth in the situation that she's in. Like it's just it's a cycle that's going over and over, and the sort the source of it is Comstock himself. So they have to make Comstock now, and Comstock is born when uh, when Booker chooses you know he chooses to be baptized. Well, right, but I don't I don't understand how it can be a cycle because you can't have you you have to have another bo- a younger version of Booker from somewhere else. So there has to be other universes where he exists. Right. So it can't really be a cycle because if young Booker you can't have two of the same person existing in in at different stages of aging if it's a cycle. They had to draw the other Booker from somewhere else, right? Well, like the, the like the like the um, I think the like <laughs> it's it's so confusing, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's so it's so. This is the part where people should speculate and write fanfic because the the Elizabeth and the twins and Comstock in the timeline you play in or the universe that you play in make utter sense, mm-hmm. but. You have two individuals who are the same person, just at different ages. You have to have. There has to be another. There has to be another. To put it in terms you'd understand easily, there has to be another variant or another. Uh, 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 there's an unknown in the equation. That's the one I'm trying to see. You see what I'm saying? You have almost all the variables except X. X being where the hell did this younger Booker come from? Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, th- one theory I have thought of, but it doesn't explain the multiple Elizabeths. One theory I have thought of that 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 supports your your uh, cycle theory, at least in this timeline, is they've tried a number of ways to get rid of Comstock on their own. <clears throat> so eventually, they just create a tear to pull one from a timeline or a universe where Comstock doesn't exist. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Where, Bo- where Booker just lives a normal life as a thug, hired gun, and and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Which would explain some of the amnesiac qualities of him. Yeah. You know, because he really didn't understand what the hell was going on until he saw the flashes of of Elizabeth as a baby being kidnapped and, and this, that, and the other thing. He had an emotional... He really didn't even know who the hell Elizabeth was. I no, think, yeah. to, to really be uh, to be honest, I think that's the most plausible explanation. And, of course, the, the, the game creators and designers did this totally to leave it to us to interpret, which, again, shows faith and trust in the audience. Um... Apparently we've they've got a different audience than the poor Bioware does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you stop and think about it, this is kind of the open-ended, ambiguous ending that the original Mass Effect Three was, except without the f- pissing match. You know, because but yet in that theory of this is this this timeline with Comstock just keeps cycling and they can't get rid of him doesn't explain the multiple. <clears throat> Uh, Elizabeth, unless she was pulled from multiple 
tears where she just lives a normal happy life and you know yeah it's be- i mean you, the longer you think about the ending sequence and i have i normally when i play a game i don't watch youtube stuff you know i'll make a save file which i don't think you can in bioshock i'll generally make a save file that's close to the end like i have one sitting on my hard drive right now for skyrim yeah it's oh yeah yeah i usually a quest do too. from the end so that i can go and rewatch the end as it, you know not on somebody's crappy idea of a youtube video no and that's not saying a lot of them are not or that's not saying all of them are crap there's a lot of them that are excellent and well done but um i did actually go watch the ending again a couple times um and and i think the thing that people should be shouldn't be afraid of is I don't think we're going to be seeing Booker and Elizabeth again. I I think her and tears and the concept of parallel worlds was introduced to give us a new, you know, hero or whatever you want to call it with the next game. Uh, I I'm pretty sure that Booker and Elizabeth's story is, is done or, or do you, or what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's done. I mean, there was certainly a sense of a sense of um, a finality in terms of, in terms of like there was only one Elizabeth now. At, you know, there were multiple versions there at the point where you know he was uh, to make that choice of whether to accept religion or not, and um, yeah, and then it was only one, and then it faded to black at the end, I believe. So I, I think I think it's done. Of course, then again, so we thought that when we played through the original Bioshock in 2007, and we all saw how that worked out. True. I'm pretty sure Rational learned from that. They caught a, and they deserved it, they caught an ass ton of flack for wiggling their way into a sequel with that one. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, the, the, the parallel worlds thing, like, it, 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 it's interesting, interesting to me. Like, I think the number of parallel timelines for what ha- what happened to Elizabeth and Booker and Comstock I think that has has been reduced by the by the death of Comstock before he you know rose to power but I I, I mean I, that doesn't close the, the loops on the, again the rapture timeline and, and the parallels between the two which you know it's the kind of the things that I find really interesting you know like like who who are the parallels of who between the two those those two worlds, and if we if we get a fourth Bioshock game, we, how does how does that tie in? Well, I don't <clears throat> I don't necessarily see that I don't necessarily see um, I see it in the sense that Comstock existed in this one timeline. He may not in the others. See, yeah. the other Elizabeths could have lived Comstock free, and I also think that it's possible to explain the tears that there are are a number of gifted people in in the different universes that that can interact with them you know it doesn't necessarily have to be elizabeth it you know it could have been somebody else in rapture it could be somebody else elsewhere or ultimately the twins are much more puppet masters than than we're led to believe in uh, <clears throat> in, in this game, and we may find that out later. 
See, because they're the one common tie, that common thread that binds, at least in Bioshock Infinite. Mm. You know, um, obviously they weren't in, obviously they weren't in Rapture, near as I can tell. Although I bet you research on the internet, somebody will find some tenuous thread that connects them there, I'm sure. <laughs> one, th- one other thing I wanted to bring up with you, and then we'll call it good, because we've probably got more than enough <laughs> for spoilers. Yeah, this has gone a lot longer than I thought, but that's cool too, is- one thing that, that, that struck me about Bioshock Infinite is the fact that, that the creators trusted in their audience. And what reinforced that was a couple weeks back, I was watching Steven Spielberg's um, Inside the Actor Studio. And uh, over and over and over, Spielberg said something about, have faith in your audience, trust your audience. I filmed this with trusting my audience to, to be able to interpret, to be able to, you know... Do, do what they will with it. And, and and it's paid off for him every time, obviously. Is that a problem right now in the video game industry that the, that the creators and developers don't trust their audience enough? Um, it sure seems like Levine and, and, and the crew at Irrational do. Yeah. Because you had yeah. to have some faith in audience, in, in, in your audience, in your consumer, to put out a game like Infinite the, the mm-hmm. way it is. Yeah, I mean to to push those boundaries and to, to deliver a complex story that let people figure it out on their own. I mean, yeah, there there are a lot of games that just put the same thing over and over, and you know, the the, the story and 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 the themes that could be there are just as cookie cutter as could be. You know that that's that, and that's not that's not trusting your audience. That's just you know feeding the trough and and. It's while it can be fun, I guess it's, it's not it's not making again not not pushing the boundaries. Well, and and I mean yeah, pushing mean? the pushing put yeah pushing the boundaries is definitely a big thing. But the, and there's going to be a lot of games that are formulaic and just fun to play. Not yeah. everything needs to reinvent the fucking wheel. No, no, I mean, you know, well, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, my, my ultimately my point is is if a game developer happens to stumble onto this audio cast. That's that to me is a critical element that's missing from the game industry right now. Is when you're when you're doing an entirely new concept game, you're not trusting the audience enough. I could think of a, a lot of games that would have been a lot better if if they'd had a little more faith in the audience. Um, my other favorite that I bring up all the time, the name is now escaping me, did a really good job with you know with with just giving the audience a story and and, and hoping that they you know having the faith that they'd figure it out. Um, the hell's the name of that game? Fuck. I talk about it all the time. Do you remember? Do you know which game I'm talking about? I'm not sure. It's the one that's... Oh, shit. I'm surprised you can't remember. But I I, I think that, the, you know, there's some been some new games out that, um, you know, if, they, if they'd had a little more faith in their audience, would have been... Uh, would have been a lot better games. So, any final thoughts, John, on on Bioshock Infinite that you'd like to pass on before we take off? Um, I think it's a game that, if you you know, just for the fact that like you say, like it it puts it, it trusts the audience and, and and it pushes boundaries and makes you think. Like I, I keep going back to my Matrix, uh, you know, comparison. That 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 movie made you think about, um, you know, the possibilities of 
of storytelling in a different way. You know, like the the layers. How far? How 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 deep does that rabbit hole go? And I can have I've had chats. Well, you know, to be honest, I've wanted to have chats with people because not enough people who I, I you know around me have played this game. Like the parallel universe stuff really intrigues me about about where could they take this fran- you know, this franchise into different directions and still tie it together in, in such a neat way. Like the, the Matrix, you walk out of there going, "Oh my God!" You know, like what if what if the world was what if, what what if the world was controlled by robots and everything was fake, and everything is predestined? You know, it's, it's that kind of that's, that's how I walked away from that from this game uh, feeling. Oh my goodness! What else can 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 be parallel to what we've seen here? Like the cool, you know, um, and this one more cool thing that I wanted to throw out before we ended was that uh, someone noticed in Bioshock One there was the sound of Songbird's death screech when when you know when he drowns in Bioshock Infinite. You can hear it in a pivotal moment in the first Bioshock. It's the same sound. Whether it's coincidental or whether it ties together, it's those little things that make you go want to makes me want to go back and play Bioshock One and see how far back you know um, Levine and 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 his and his team thought ahead or thought back and tied things together. It, it's really cool stuff, you know, to, to go through the details and see where things tie. I think I I think. Ultimately, this game, I, I'm, I was never all that super impressed with the Matrix. I mean, the the two after the original were just garbage. But yeah, I'm talking the first one here. Yeah. Right, right, right. No, yeah, no. That's why I cleared it up for you. I, I, <laughs> I, I knew you were. But that concept of reality is not reality. Is is scary for a lot of people, and so I think that that not only making you know, not only making you question is this real, but then giving you alternate uh, uh, unlimited alternates mm-hmm. uh, is is an awesome concept. I'll be curious to see what they do with it. But again, like you said, and like I brought up, you know, faith in the audience. I I really applaud Irrational for that. Enslaved Odyssey to the West was the one I was thinking. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I should have known that. Sorry. That's one where there was a lot of mechanics that were no brainer, been in a thousand games. But as far as the storyline went, they really asked you to trust them and take go on a ride. And, and obviously, as I've said three billion times before, one hell of a ride it was. <laughs> um, and I and I think to a certain extent that the Bioshock Infinite does the same thing. You know, yeah, there was mechanics that were in the first two ginned up and chain, names changed but really the 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 question that they ask you at the start of the game you know when you're there with that interracial couple is what will you choose and now you know step inside and go for the ride and we'll see you at the end of it and i mean essentially that's what it felt like you know uh and so i i'm looking forward to see what they do next um obviously it took them a few years to get to get infinite out it was totally completely well worth the wait i hope they take their time and do whatever they plan to do next right um so i'm that's it we're done with this show um i'll give you some quick ways that you can get in touch with us if you want to about the spoiler cast otherwise we will see you on friday for yeah that's right we're recording wonder pod friday this week um but if you'd like to get in touch with us we have a website it's called wonderpodonline.com 
There's contact info there. We have a Facebook, unless you're a bot. We always accept friend friend requests. We have a Twitter. It's at WonderPod Online, all one word at WonderPod Online. Um, I we, and we have an email address. It's WonderPodOnline at gmail.com. WonderPodOnline at gmail.com. Or if you want to scream at me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at o r o r i g i m. Or you can follow John on Twitter. John Keo. Uh, at John Keo Jumpins. J O N K E H O E. All right, folks. This has been WonderPod presents Bioshock Infinite spoiler cast. We'll see you. We'll see you the next time. Cheers. <laughs>